Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The jazz session is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. This week's guest is pianist Robert Glasper from his new CD, Double Booked. This is Thelonious Monk's "Think of One." My guest is pianist Robert Glasper. His new album on Blue Note Records is called Double Booked. And uh, Robert, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you. This album features both uh, your trio, the Robert Glasper Trio, and the kind of more hip-hop influenced band, The Experiment. Why did you choose to unite both on one record? Because I'm uniting both right now in real life as we speak. <laughs> so I figured, you know, this is... Uh so when, when you put out a record, it's supposed to be a, it's like a timeline of your life. So, you know, in in, nine, in 2009, this is what I'm doing now. So, you know, years from now, you can go back and check it out and be like, oh, this is what he was doing at the time. And I want to do it on one, one album because most cats, as far as I know, most people, you know, when they do do an electric album, it's after they finish doing their acoustic stuff, and then they do an electric album on its own, you know, do that thing. And I've never really seen one that has both on one album. At all, so I thought it'd be pretty cool and pretty um, different to do that and try to make it work out because it could be random if it doesn't really work out <laughs> sonically <laughs> and uh, you know and all kinds of things. So I tried to make it as uh, as smooth as possible. Do you have to approach playing the piano differently in each band, or or do you? Whether or not you have to, but do you approach playing the piano differently in each band? Um, no, actually, I don't. I pretty much play how I play, except the songs lend itself to me playing a certain way certain songs, you know, I may interpret differently 
versus the trio and the experiment. But for the most part, I'm pretty much playing me the whole time. I'm not really like changing very much at all. Do you think in a few years it will even be necessary to have two bands? I mean, do you think maybe that the the music of these two groups will just kind of move together and and one group will be able to encompass what you're doing? Well, yeah, I mean, I could do that now. I could have been doing that, actually, but I like the fact that I have two different bands. And um, the, well, the only thing is, obviously, Chris Davis on both both sides of it, the trio and experiment, but for a long time I had a different drummer, so it was totally different. But I like the fact that it's... So, because, you know, when you play with different people, you just have different nuances, all kinds of different things that one group can bring, and then you have if you have a whole other group, then there's a whole other group of 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 different nuances that this drummer does different things that and it, it'll make me play different if i play with different people for the most part you know what i mean like i'm still playing myself but just what i'm reacting to is different you know what i mean so i prefer to have two different groups if possible and then you know so sometimes we may join up and do one thing but it, it, i like it better it's, it's it's a pressure for me to do just to have two groups as you mentioned, uh, you used to have two different drummers, and now Chris Dave uh, plays drums in both bands. Can uh, that seems like a pretty rare feat to have a drummer who can play authentically, kind of on both sides of the aisle? Can you talk about exactly. Chris? Exactly. Yeah, of course. Well, Chris is—he's an amazing drummer. He's an icon, and you know, he's just one of them cats that that came out and just from the door was just a different kind of drummer. You know, off top, he just thinks differently from any other drummer I know, and he is very. Um, it's one thing to just be a good drummer, but it's another thing to actually keep thinking of things that no one's thought of on the instrument, you know, like to keep thinking of things to do with the instrument that people have never thought of and always reinventing yourself. It's, it's hard to do on a drum set, you know, and it's hard to do on any instrument, but, so, you know, so that's what he does. And he's, like I said, he's, he's um, very fluent in any kind of music he chooses to play. He's just a vessel of music. And it is rare to have cats that can actually play authentically, you know, jazz and hip-hop, and there's not a weak link. Because normally when you have a band that does that, there's always a weak link somewhere. You can be like, okay, I can tell this band really plays hip-hop more, or I can tell this band really plays jazz more. But I feel like in my band, especially with, with Chris, it's like there is no weak link at all, and it's, it's totally, like, honest as well. Thank you. 
it seems like all uh, all the guys in your bands really are are well versed in that way too. Because I oh, mean, yeah. and you're in the experiment. Derek Hodge is on electric bass, but you right. can walk down the street then and see Derek play acoustic with Terrence Blanchard. Or I mean, exactly. all, you know, all those guys they bring <laughs> yeah. everything to the game. It seems hey, like, and, and that's the thing. That's I mean, Casey Benjamin. You know, he does the vocoder thing, but he's one of the hands down, like arguably one of the baddest alto players out here right now. Also, so you know, it's just it's really one of them things where. I, I actually found everybody. Everybody on their instrument is my favorite musician on that instrument, <laughs> and they're in my band. You know what I mean? Casey's my favorite alto player. Derek is my favorite bass player, and Chris is my favorite drummer. And you know, we all share this this journey through all this different type of music that we all love and enjoy. You know what I mean? And we we don't we don't uh, don't discriminate musically. We've done some things live randomly that. That we didn't, we never practiced, but we've gone into some songs. We'll be like, "Yo, did we just play a lot of love it too?" <laughs> you know, just randomly come out of nowhere, <laughs> and we'll all be like, "How did?" First of all, why do you know that? I'll be like, "I know it because of this." They'll be like, "I know it because of this." You know, it's just hilarious. You know, just all the things we come up with and how how, how we get into things. Because actually, honestly, we've only literally really have only had one rehearsal as a band, and the we've rest you've just one. worked out on stage. The rest is all worked out on stage and made up on stage. And we'll even talk about doing a song and we'll just talk about it before and just do it and see how it comes out. Like for the record, every song on the record for the experiment side is a one take. We only did one take of each song, except the loud song we did like three takes because it was new. We have never played it before. But every other song on there was all one takes and we just did one take of those songs. And it's because, you know, we just, we, we didn't talk about it. We didn't know how we we're going to arrange it. Honestly, we didn't say we're going to do this three times. This three. We just kind of went in and felt it out like it was a gig. And I always try to approach that the studio like a gig because then you, it's easier to transcend that 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 feeling and spirit of a live show to CD. Sometimes when people do CDs, they kind of um, compress it and be like, okay, I'm going to do three choruses on this song, and I'm going to do this on this, and then you're going to do a drum solo. It's going to end here, and you know, it becomes too robotic. And you lose the, the, the spiritual freedom and the feeling of the music like if, as if you were going to see it live. You know what I mean? So I always try to keep that live element when I go into the studio. All three of your records, and I know you've said you didn't do this intentionally, but all three of your records have Herbie Hancock tunes. So even if, even if it wasn't like a programmatic choice, it obviously means that Herbie is in your DNA somewhere. Can you just talk Herbie a little bit about him? Totally, yeah, Herbie is totally in my DNA. And it's honestly, like it was not supposed to be like, like this last record. We, we decided, okay, let's put a Herbie tune on there. But the song, the albums before, it was like literally like on Canvas, we did um, Riot, Herbie Hancock's Riot. And literally, we decided to do that the, the night before, because I had a gig the night before, and we were listening to that on the way to the gig. And me and Vicente were talking, like, have you ever played that? I was like, no, I've never played it. That's, that's a cool tune. He's like, yeah, we should try it. And I like wrote an arrangement that night after the gig. And we tried it over sound check. I mean, as a sound check for the, for the record date and did it. It was like really last minute, but. Herbie's one of them cats, like, exactly what I'm doing. He's very comfortable in anything he plays. You know what I mean? So you could put Herbie on a country gig, and he'd be amazing. You put him on a hip-hop gig, it'd be amazing. Put him on a straight-ahead gig, it'd be amazing. So there's not a weak link. He's not, you know, he's not just a, a jazz guy or this guy, this guy. He's a total music guy, period. You know, he's a vessel of the music, hands down. And and he's doing, he did, we you know, what, it was, what I'm doing now. And everybody respects the fact that he, no, no one says, oh, that cat can't play, or, you know, he's a smooth jazz guy, or 
he's a funk piano player or nothing like that because he's already proved himself, obviously. You know what I mean? And and uh, he's very comfortable with 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 being who he is at all times, and no matter what genre of music he's playing, and he could just melt into the music. You know, something about that being able to just you know melt into the music and you know just still be yourself, but be able to play something authentically, like Herbie. There's no there's no like him. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's very true. I mean, when you think, uh, I think sometimes he gets a little, you know, maybe uh, certainly not overlooked because he's famous, but people don't think about the fact that, you know, this is this exact same guy, you know, played with Miles, made his own Blue Note records, did the Headhunters thing, you know, did Rocket. I mean, he, exactly. you know, he's been everywhere and done everything, you know, over exactly. the course of these years. Broke down so many barriers. You know, he got the first hip hop Grammy. You know, I think that was with Rocket, actually. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah, it's crazy how much, how much, how many doors he's knocked down, and you know, no one can, you can't, no one can say anything to Herbie about, about, you know, you like I said, you can't, you can't sit there and say, oh, you did Rocket, you did this, so you're, you're, you know, you lose your jazz license. You know, we have a lot of those guys here who are jazz police, and if it doesn't sound like one something, then it's not jazz. But people got to realize jazz is music, and music moves and lives, and it's not going to be the same. It's not going to still sound like they did in 1950 or 60s. You know, if Train died and came, if he came back and we're still playing his shit from 1960, he'd probably be angry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you really want the music to sound the same? So you're telling me that this isn't jazz because it doesn't sound like this one thing you're listening to? You know, it's supposed to move and breathe. It's like people. You know what I mean? That's the purpose of it. And if you are mad that it's changing, you know, then you don't even, you don't really understand the true meaning of music because it's going to change whether you like it or not, and it's going to change in ways that you don't like and in ways you do like. It's like a child, you know. You love your child, you bring it up, but eventually, you know, it's going to change. <laughs> and your child's going to marry somebody you don't like or marry somebody you do like or, you know, whatever. So people have to be comfortable with that and, and honor that and understand it and respect it. Do you think that there's more acceptance of jazz in the hip-hop world than there is the other way around? Yes. Actually, yes. Because... The audience of hip-hop is much younger than the jazz audience. They've been um, exposed to more new new music. You know what I mean? Like a lot of jazz audience, you know, the jazz audience really ranges from like age 50 to 100. You know what I mean? So those people are pretty much stuck in their ways for the most part of what they kind of like to listen to and what they grew up listening to. But the age of hip-hop is younger. So we're more the people who came up and, uh, you know, they're probably more like funk and R&B and, you know, and jazz and, and, and all kinds of other, and all, all, all kinds of other music, rock and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? So I think it has something to do a lot with the age difference as well, you know what I mean? And um, the exposure to different kinds of music. For the person that's 90, you know, probably isn't checking out Usher right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if they but, are, I really want to hang out with them. And if they are, I want to hang out with them. But a person that's 25, that's a DJ, has definitely checked out, you know, Mel Torme or something. You know what I mean? Or, you know, Billie Holiday. You know what I'm saying? We've checked that out. Like, sure. younger people check out older stuff because we dig through the records and we, nowadays, everybody wants to sample everything. So it's a part of the whole thing to know old music. You know what I mean? But older people don't really have a reason to listen to Chris Brown right now. 
you know, <laughs> you know or, it's interesting or that you're uh, that you're making this point because I, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but in the last like week and a half or two weeks, uh, there a couple weeks ago there was a piece by the writer Terry Teachout in the Wall Street Journal that talked about kind of jazz's well, a, kind of a typical jazz's dying piece, and it was all uh-huh. about how the the audience of jazz is really aging out. And there's no, you know, there's no young audience behind it. And then right. all over the the kind of jazz blogging world, people were saying, you know, that's not true. There's young people all over the place. You just got to know where to look. And so I wonder, from your personal experience, I and mean, what are what are the audiences at your gigs like? Okay, well, overall, yes, the the music for the there is not a big audience with younger for younger. Like, there's not a big young audience for jazz. It's not. It's not huge. It's probably less than any other music. You know, it's less than rock. It's less than country. It's less than hip hop. It's less than R and B. You know what I mean? So the audience is not huge. You know what I mean? So to neglect that fact, I mean, let's just be honest about it. The jazz audience is really an older audience, for the most part. It's just an older audience. It is. But from my experience, I actually have a lot of young people at my shows. A lot of young people, and what's different about my shows as well, I have a young, a lot of young African American people at my shows, which is a whole nother thing because a lot of African American people don't really listen to jazz. They're they're listening to hip hop or some other stuff and they don't really listen to jazz. But I think with me I had a I have a leg up because I do the other side of things. You know, I play with Q tip, I play with most deaf, I play with Bilal, and I'm on the road with Maxwell now. So I'm exposed to a whole different audience and a whole different audience is exposed to me versus a jazz cat who pretty much just plays for jazz audience. You know what I mean? Because, you know, most times, if you go to a jazz club, the people who are in there are people who are jazz fans already. You know, you're pretty you're not going to find many new fans. You know, they're they're pretty much already jazz fans. It's really hard to get new jazz fans because, you know, first of all, the, a record a jazz record costs more than an R and B record. You know, if you go to a, a record store, it costs twenty dollars to buy a jazz record. And jazz is a is a very it's like a hidden thing. I make a joke all the time. It's like we're a hidden society. Like you know, you have a tattoo that says jazz on your on your sleeve of your shirt or something because <laughs> it's like you know you don't see it on tv there's no promotion for jazz on tv and if there is it's probably going to be charlie parker train or monk or miles they're not going to show anybody of this day and age on any commercial advertising any kind of music anywhere and there's only really when you think about it why would it be on tv because you can really only see it in new york casually because there, you go to any other city there may be one jazz club and every other city is probably one or two jazz clubs. Maybe New Orleans has a few. But other than that, you know, there's nowhere to go see this music. You know what I mean? And then when you go see the music, it's thirty-five dollars to to get in. A lot of times to see the music, you know, you can buy a ticket to go see Usher or Chris Brown for twenty dollars. So it's a whole thing of where it's very scarce, so they have to mark up the prices to try to make it even. And it's just a whole unbalanced thing. Um, so. It, it gets a little strange with that. But like I said, luckily for me, my audience is very vast. I have a very a whole lot of college students come and check me out. And because I, I also, you know, in my music, I put in music up today. You know, I mix in Radiohead. I mix in Jay Dilla. I mix in all these things. It's not because I think it's hip and I think other people are going to want to come see it. It's because I like it, too.
so I'm not like selling out or like you know there are those bands out there who randomly put hip hop in their songs because they think it's what you know it's the, it's the time everybody's doing hip hop so I'm gonna do it you know but you can hear it and you can really tell that those cats really don't play it you know they're just doing it for the sake of doing it hoping, hoping to get a younger crowd or something but I do it because I love it and it's the music of today just like Train and Miles and everybody was playing the music of their day so if I'm in 2009, and I'm playing the music of 1960. I'm not going to get people of my gen- of the 2009 generation coming to see me play because they have no connection, you know. Because my parents, luckily, my parents, my mom, it, it, um, she was a musician, so I walk in the house, she'd be playing Billy Holiday, she'd be playing Oscar Peterson, all that kind of stuff. But there's a, a big disconnect because now, nowadays, the kids of today, their parents are going to the same concerts they're going to, so they going to the, you know. Beyonce concert together <laughs> you know what I mean so <laughs> their parents don't even have a connection to the jazz world or you know what I mean because a, a lot of it has to come from home if it's not coming from home it got to come from school because other than that you know everybody doesn't have a radio station a jazz radio station in the city everybody doesn't have a performing arts high school in the city you know so and it's not seen on TV so it's like what do you do you know a lot of people say oh jazz in schools is not a good idea but I think jazz I think jazz in school is saving jazz. That's the only place that young people can go and actually, you know, get into it and um, and they eventually make a living for it. You know what I mean? Robert, do you think that, that people who come to see you, who first saw you, uh, you know, like with Most Def or with Q-Tip or, you know, see now with Maxwell, do you think those people, when they come to one of your own shows, how do you think they react to the music, for example, which has a lot of improvisation in it, um, you know, kind of less well, not less melody, but there are long stretches where you where other things are going on besides just a statement of the melody. How do you think uh-huh. people handle that? I think they actually handle it very well. I think it's it's a mixture of things. Because obviously, I think there's going to be some things that's over their head and that they don't understand because they're not used to it and they've never heard it. But there's also, if you watch my set, there's going to be something in there that they can grasp that they do understand that they're going to really like. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, so I, 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 I definitely think it's a mixture of things. My whole set is in a bunch of notes and a bunch of odd time signature and a bunch of, you know, five page melodies <laughs> that people can't whistle after the fact. You know what I mean? I think what grasps people that aren't jazz musicians or jazz lovers, what brings them to my music is that it's very singable. Because I love singing. I'm not a singer, but, you know, I write m- melodic things that after you hear the song, you can walk away whistling the song. And that's what an average person wants to do. That's why people hear stuff on the radio, and radio songs are huge. Jazz musicians tend to play for other musicians. You know what I mean? And if you play for other musicians, then you're gonna, that's exactly what your audience is going to be, a bunch of musicians or a bunch of people who are already in this, in this genre somewhat who love this music already. But, you know, so my whole thing is, you know, I don't even write like that. I really write like, you know, pretty simple melodies and, and the undertones can be pretty pretty crazy, you know, with time signatures and baseline and stuff like that. But for the most part, that's just how I hear music. So I think that's what lures in um, that the average person to to liking my stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I totally understand. I I really like hip hop too, and I've tried to make the argument to, um, and I think you and I are probably fairly close to the same age. And I've tried to make the argument to people before, particularly to kind of some of my older. You know, colleagues and other jazz fans that I think the most rhythmically creative area right now in music is in hip hop, and yeah. people just kind of instantly poo poo that 
you know, like, oh, that's, you know, come on, that's obviously that can't be true. And I, I don't know, but I really, in my personal opinion, I think it is. I think that's where the next, you know, kind of rhythmic creativity and invention, at least in American music, is really happening. Oh, I wonder what you think about that. Definitely. I, I totally understand that. A lot of it because a lot of the hip, the reason I like Jay Dilla is because you can't write his beats out because it's a feel thing. A lot of the stuff you cannot write out is extremely African. You know what I mean? It's extremely African when you really listen to his grooves. And people, uh, I've had people try to figure out, like, whoa, the snare's not really on two. It's kind of on this. It's kind of on that. The bass drum is kind of over here. It's a whole feel thing that is very hard to duplicate. And being that, you know, jazz these days, casually, you know, is extremely, is extremely European. It's not, it's not very African anymore like it used to be because it's jazz with African-American music in the first place so now it's become to where African Americans aren't even playing it anymore therefore the music as a whole has changed so it doesn't even sound the same it doesn't feel the same so that's the whole thing too you know what I mean so that's why a lot of it a lot of hip hop and things of that nature have more of a rhythmic type vibe because it's more concentrated on the rhythm because I think a lot of jazz has lost the concentration of the rhythm uh, finally, Robert, I, I heard uh, the inaugural version of Enoch's meditation that you did on uh, WBGO back around uh-huh. when Obama became president, and that featured spoken word um, over the top. You know, you played spoken word, I think, off your iPod or whatever, over the top yeah. of the of the band playing. Uh-huh. And the last person who spoke uh, on that little uh, set of samples was Cornell West, who yeah. said, "Music is what we need when language fails us, but we cannot remain silent." And I wonder, yeah. uh, do you consider yourself a political person, and do you? use your music for political ends? You know what? My, my, my music, a lot of my music is politically driven. I'm not a very, I'm not a very uh, political, like, politically like spokesperson. Like you wouldn't catch me up there talking about a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? But a lot of what I write is, is driven by um, politics. I think that's why recent years I felt that the, the reasoning behind music has changed because Back in the day, I think a lot of the jazz albums that we love so dearly, jazz albums and other genres of music we love so dearly back in the day, had a place in our heart and a certain feeling because there was a reason for their, there was a passion for the music. There was a reason they were playing that music. There was a struggle going on in those times. You know what I mean? So you could hear, you you, you can hear the um, purpose of the song. It wasn't just, oh, I wrote a bad tune, check out these changes. You know what I mean? It's like there were bad changes, but you can just feel the purpose of the song, and you can you can feel some emotion there. And I try to write, when I write stuff, I try to, a, a lot of things that I write are just, they're, they are um, influenced by something, and a lot of things I've written have been influenced by um, political things that are going on today. Because a lot of things have happened within the last, you know, seven, eight years. And I think it's very important that people in all genres of music can, you know, it's up to us to actually, you know, record that um, musically. You know, we got to be our own what's going on, Marvin Gaye, up today. You know what I mean? In, in, in jazz, you know what I mean? I, I, I think that's, that's kind of missing today. So I do try to, to um, tie that in when I can. My guest is Robert Glasper. His new album on Blue Note is called Double Booked. And uh, I just, I really had a great time talking to you, man. I thank you for making thank the you. time to do it. Thank you so much. I had a great time, too.
That's Robert Glasper. You've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of The Jazz Session is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which is a great way to win free music. You can sign up at TheJazzSession.com. If you are on Facebook, there's a group for the Jazz Session, and I give away music there, too. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the Jazz Session's logo. The Jazz Session is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Thank you so much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.
evening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.